Welcome to That's Your Opinion. And you're wrong. All right. We are here. Hello. Episode two. Yes. We are back. Um, this one's a little bit different than our first foray. It is. Um, you know, we don't shy away from controversial opinions, controversial topics. We knew that going into this. Um, but a bit of a different flavor than our uh, opening podcast. So today we're going to be diving into um, the world of Harry Potter, the new Hogwarts Legacy game, J.K. Rowling, and the Harry Potter series in general, and beyond. Turf ideology, you name it. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. We have a lot to cover today. <laughs> we do. We have so many opinions. Um, but we're not also afraid of part twos. <laughs> Yes, we may need to do a part two. We are going to um, do this in one take and see how it goes. And to start off, we do have some trigger warnings. We will be covering topics that uh, deal with transphobia, homophobia, racism, and anti-Semitism. So I'm curious, um, what is your association with Harry Potter? So for me, interestingly, Harry Potter, the first book, um, from what I researched came out, I remember it was sometime I was in high school dating myself. It was in 1997. I graduated high school in 1999 for context. And at the time I was overseas living in Belgium. So I actually wasn't, um, in a place where Harry Potter was like known and I hadn't really heard about it. I think partly cause I was not on an American military base at the time. So I really wasn't aware of it, um, until I came back to the States and had heard about it loosely and thought maybe it was uh, because of the content just for kids. And then I was told, no, it's actually for anybody. And that sounded cool to me. But being in school and working all the time, never had time to read the books. So my foray into Harry Potter was watching all the movies and then starting on the books. Uh, the game you actually introduced to me recently that that was coming out, that wasn't on my radar and, and sounds cool. My uh, foray into gaming at this point is... Animal Crossing <laughs> as far as what I actually play right now so you'll have to tell me how the game is but that's my context for Harry Potter and I think if I was younger and this had come out I don't know how my mom would have felt about me reading Harry Potter in terms of the content probably would have thought it was too adult for me and I needed to wait till I was older and maybe kind of on my own if I you know was like 18 or older I could read them but as a kid probably would have been a little too controversial for her to allow me to read as a kid, which I know uh, some folks have also said was their experience growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm recalling that there was controversy even at when Harry Potter was released <laughs> about how it, so, from some people's perspective, glorified witchcraft mm -hmm. and darkness and evil and stuff like that. So it has never been necessarily free of controversy. Uh, since it started. Mm -hmm. um, I am a huge Potterhead. Um, I have a Harry Potter tattoo. It's actually my <laughs> first tattoo. Oh, I didn't know it was your um, first one. That's cool. Yeah, from the Deathly Hallows, um, which is the final uh, like arc of the book. Mm -hmm. um, I guess another example of being a Potterhead, I've had the same wallet for 20 years, and it's a Harry Potter Slytherin wallet that mm -hmm. I can't convince myself to get rid of because it's just really attached to me and i credit harry potter a lot for helping me understand queerness mm -hmm. as a child 
um, Harry's story really connected in the idea of being unwanted in a lot of spaces and having Mm. to form his own little family with his friends to feel connected and feel love and feel um, able to take on the horrors of the world. Mm. Um, And we'll talk later too, but it also has a pretty strong anti-fascist Mm-hmm. message all the way through it with um, Lord Voldemort and other things. So this is an interesting topic in that it surrounds the LGBT community largely. We'll also talk about the Jewish community later. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of LGBT people have a similar connection mm-hmm. with Harry Potter that it was there's queer retellings of Harry Potter yeah. that people have really attached to. I love that. I love that you're sharing that. I think it's spot on. And I think for me, when I first watched the movies and started reading the books, I didn't necessarily consciously make a connection to um, queerness, but more like freedom, finding your own way, you know, growing up and just feeling like you don't belong, you know, which is part of the queer experience. But I thought about it mostly of just like trying to fit in in school in general. And then the power of imagination and magic and how when you're faced with impossible odds that I think such a beautiful thing about human nature is that like creative energy Mm -hmm. and that way that we can take an impossible situation and come together and fight it and not like an overly simplistic good versus evil and you know good always wins kind of thing because that's really not what Harry Potter's about it's more about the nuances of um, you know, trying to just make the most of any situation and mm-hmm. getting creative and like coming together as a community, which again, like to your point is very anti-fascist and very pro social justice and mm-hmm. really helps us. I think as individuals, like find a freedom that sometimes in life we don't have day to day, that we're not really, um, feeling mm-hmm. so we can get that maybe in reading the book or playing the game and, and kind of engage with that idea and get some hope. Mm-hmm. And escapism. Yeah. It's nice to just escape sometimes. Yes. Um, So up top, I want to just point out, um, this is not a pro J.K. Rowling Mm -hmm. episode. We are not here to support J.K. Rowling or any of her um, comments about the trans community. However, I will say up top, my opening premise is that your opinion is wrong Mm -hmm. about um, platforming J.K. Rowling. And your opinion is wrong about community hegemony. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of where I'm going to be standing today. How about you? I feel like um, my my take on the your opinion is wrong for the day is your your opinion is wrong that J.K. Rowling is the only person that um, you know espouses turf ideology and is inherently just anti-people, right? Because as a feminist, I feel like feminists uh, at their core like want that equity for all and just embrace everybody having equal access to like a happy free life. Um, but, you know, I think it's a wrong opinion to just only focus on her and not the many other people and problems that I think she represents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are we giving her too much power by just focusing on her for years and years now? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this all launches from um, a game that just came out called Hogwarts Legacy. Um, Hogwarts Legacy is a 2023 action role-playing game developed by Avalanche Software and published by Warner Bros. Games under its Portkey Games label. 
uh, is directed by Alan Tu. And development began in 2018, um, which is a very important date. We're going to return to that date in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has been no direct involvement from J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. in this game. Um, a source I looked up is from Gerben Law, and they focus on copyrights and um, copyrights in the United States in particular. Um, a quote I found interesting about J.K. Rowling is that, interestingly enough, Rowling does not own trademark rights to the Harry Potter brand in the United States. Mm-hmm. Though she's the original creator of the iconic series, Warner Bros. Entertainment has mm-hmm. registrations for um, many aspects of the Wizarding Universe. Mm-hmm. So a-, a large part of the current controversy was boycott um, the game because it gave J.K. Rowling money. Right. So in looking through this, I found an article from 2015 uh, from a, a man named David Mullick who writes about the game industry. And he notes that it's common in game development that lump sums are paid to the copyright holders and to the people that own the intellectual property before the game even goes into development. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that royalties are generally paid to development to the development studio, which in this um, case would be Avalanche, as opposed to the IP holder. Mm-hmm. Because basically, in order to develop the game, they have to buy the right to use right. the IP. So in this case, what likely happened was that Avalanche Games contacted um, the people that hold the um, copyrights for Harry Potter, which she owns the copyright to characters, to -hmm. the characters that she created. Yeah. This story doesn't use any of those characters. Yeah. So what they probably did was they went to Warner Bros., Mm -hmm. got a lump sum to begin development because games are extremely expensive to create Mm -hmm. and jk rowling probably got a royalty out of that lump sum right Mm -hmm. so odds are in favor she's actually not getting as much money as people want to think she's getting yeah from this yep i think people assume every time they purchase a game at a time right she's getting a percentage of that or a portion of that and um you know before you research that i wasn't aware of it i think that uh, that's something that, you know, maybe people don't look up and we make assumptions, right, about uh, what the rights are. And, and when it comes to a franchise like this, like, that becomes many things over time, right? Started as the books, then we get the the films and it's on from there. And sometimes that, that does change hands and, um, and evolves, but we just don't know. So we make assumptions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's also to say, I actually don't know if this was the, you mm-hmm. know, uh, organization for this particular game but mm-hmm. kind of based on um, how people have been talking about it and mm-hmm. even how the game studio itself has made a very very specific point to say that jk rowling has not been involved mm-hmm. in this game makes me consider that odds are in favor she really is not getting as much from this as people think she might be right and in fact um her largest royalties actually come from the wizarding world of harry potter from Universal Studios. I can believe that. Yeah. She gets a portion of every ticket that's sold at Universal Studios. Wow, that is so much. Just even how many people go there in a day. Sheer volume. Oh my goodness, yeah. Talk about passive income. That's mm-hmm. literally just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. paying the rent right there. That's amazing. I did not know. 
So we'll, we'll revisit this idea mm-hmm. in a bit when we get to the deplatforming conversation. But kind of couching this, um, the Hogwarts legacy controversy is largely connected to J.K. Rowling's comments about the trans community, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about more in a little bit. And then um, later on, probably after the break, we're going to talk about the story of, Lo- of Hogwarts legacy and concerns about an anti-Semitic storyline, mm-hmm. which is connected to the blood libel myth. And if you don't know what that is, stick around and I'll we'll explain. Mm-hmm. Um, and an actually older concern about Harry Potter. So again, has never been free from controversy connected with goblins. Yeah. In the Harry Potter world. Uh, but before that, um, how about we give folks some mm-hmm. context about who is J.K. Rowling? Yeah, some background on her. So um, some folks know this, but, you know, before researching for this podcast, I didn't know too, too much about her background, just generally where she was from and um, how she came to become a writer. Um, but Joanne Rowling, uh, her pen name, J.K. Rowling, was born in Gloucestershire in July 1965 and lived, uh, you know, she talks about having a poor, in, you know, uh, upbringing, but so like low to middle class life for most of her life until she published Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in 97. She talked about um, in, in sharing her own childhood that she was interested in writing as a hobby and then, you know, became something that she felt like could actually be a career and um, took her about seven years to be picked up by an agency, by a publishing company. So today, she's the seventh richest entrepreneur in the UK with an estimated net worth of $1 billion. She's won many literary awards, um, was made an OBE in 2000 for services to children's literature, won a BAFTA in 2011 for her outstanding British contribution to cinema, and was awarded the Freedom of the City of London in 2012. She was also appointed a member of the Order of the Companions of Honor in the Queen's uh, 2017 birthday honors. She's also talked a lot about her philanthropy work and that she has um, really done a lot to donate money to benefit um, folks that are, are come from poor backgrounds, like we you know when she was raised up and other organizations. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's important to note about all this too, dates mm-hmm. in that all of these honors occurred before Four, yes. Um, we started learning about what's going on in, in her understanding of womanhood and transness. Um, mm-hmm. And I think J.K. Rowling, just another part where like uh, stories and myths about people are important. She represents to a lot of people the ability to get out. Hmm. To if you work hard, mm-hmm. if you use your talents, if you're persistent, you can do it. Um, she talks about how Uh, She left the UK because she thought that she just needed a new start, went to Portugal, Mm -hmm. married her first husband, um, had her daughter. And then that message, that marriage apparently turned very abusive very quickly. Mm -hmm. They were, they divorced and she moved to um, Scotland, Mm -hmm. Edinburgh in particular, which is why Harry Potter is set in um, Scotland, mostly as opposed to Mm -hmm. um, England. And she just talks a lot about in her story about how if she hadn't have had those experiences, she doesn't think that she would have been able to become the person that she is. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, another part why people are maybe having a really hard time processing this thing that's going on with her and these comments about trans people are that it's conflicting with their understanding mm-hmm. or their desire of who JK Rowling was because they saw something of themselves in her yeah, and now they're not. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that we'll get into this more, like, on a, in a granular way later, but we can have similarities to people, and we can um, face difficulties and challenges in life, but there are some just advantages that she has that other people don't. Mm-hmm. There are some privileges that she has that I don't know how conscious she is of those that she's always had mm-hmm. compared to others um, in society, and so that is going to, I think, um, impact the way people see her, but really very much so like the way people, uh, way she sees other people mm-hmm. and relates to them or doesn't. It's a disconnect here clearly for a lot of reasons. But, Absolutely. Yeah. So shall we dive into what we nicknamed <gasps> the transphobia, transphobia lineage. lineage? My goodness. It's a whole transphobia timeline. It's, it's a lot. Um, so this timeline was compiled by Abby Gardner for Glamour Magazine so a lot of folks uh, in 2020 will remember when um, on June 6th, Rowling retweeted an, an op-ed piece that discussed, quote unquote, people who menstruate, apparently taking issue with the fact that the story did not use the word women. So uh, her quote was, people who menstruate, I'm sure um, they, I'm sure they were used to, there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wumben, Wimpund, Wumud, she wrote. Uh, it's just, sorry, it's so cringe. <laughs> it makes me so angry. Uh, and so that was, there was a lot of reaction to that from folks. And there was just a doubling down after that, after people reacted to that um, commentary about how she had a right to, you know, think what she thought. Another tweet was, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people. I uh, don't like this word next. But erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. And she <laughs> just kind of keeps going down this route. And the thing that she keeps really trying to center is that there's some sort of really specific difference mm-hmm. and something sacred about woman yes, and womanhood that mm-hmm. can never be shared. Um, and she makes a comment that the idea that women like me who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences is a nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were being discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hurtful hateful to say so. So in this, we also see her conflating mm-hmm. sex and gender mm-hmm. into the same thing. Yes. And saying I'm with you, but also you're another. Mm-hmm. very contradictory mm-hmm. you can't do both at once mm-hmm. that's the main theme of the day when it comes to to her correct yeah so directly after this um she um she it's called people have called it the turf manifesto <laughs> <laughs> in that she kind of goes into excruciating detail over why she believes that women Um, are women and that trans women are not um and directly after this many celebrities 
come out and start fighting against her, um, including Daniel Radcliffe, mm-hmm. who is Harry Potter. He originated the role of Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and he was the very first star to come out and speak out against what um, J.K. Rowling was saying. And even though, you know, I, I don't want to completely center this around, you know, mm-hmm. a cis man um, mm-hmm. coming out to talk about it, I think it's important to note that a lot of this discussion has moved just, not just from let's de-platform um, J.K. Rowling, it's moved to let's de-platform Harry Potter. Right. Which is uh, interesting in that I don't think Harry Potter is necessarily the problem here. Mm-hmm. And it's giving a lot of ownership of something to J.K. Rowling, which we're, we're going to poke, poke apart in a bit. Um, Daniel Radcliffe said, I realize that certain press outlets will probably want to paint this as infighting between J.K. Rowling and myself, but that is really not what this is about, nor is it, nor is it what's important right now. While Joe is unquestionably responsible for the course my life has taken as someone who has been honored to work with and continues to contribute to the Trevor Project for the last decade, and just a, and just as a human being, I feel compelled to say something at this moment. Transgender women are women. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associations who have far more expertise on the subject matter than Joe or I. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just demonstrates that, again, there's many opinions about this and even within the harry potter circle there's not a standard idea of what's going on yeah different experiences so after that we had the uh, second main rant there's been many on her website and on twitter um this one was focused on information about hormones in july 2020 i don't recall her exact post on that do you have a copy of that um, I couldn't find the exact copy. It's, yeah. it's on her website, I wasn't which able to you either. have to like dig, join. Oh, yeah, that's why I couldn't find it. And I'm I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> but basically, she was commenting. Um, she was saying very firmly that research has supported that mm-hmm. letting children transition too soon is bad for them, mm-hmm. and re- um, reporting um, that hor- hormones have been linked to heart damage later on in life. Right. Which both of those things are true, but they are taken out of context. Right. In that we actually don't know if transitioning early, air quote, is bad for you. What we do know is that society generally doesn't support it, right. which then produces negative consequences for the person who's trying to live in the way that they want to live. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we know that hormones can affect heart problem um what the study that she was quoting from in particular was connected to women that are taking hormones for menopause right context is very important vital yeah so using um information that has nothing to do with the population you're talking about and just conflating things for your own to make a point Mm -hmm. it's just wrong and, and dangerous and also what about the risk of not being able to you know get access to vital health care and uh then not able to be yourself and then you become suicidal or you have some other you know it's it's still deadly in other ways but we're just focusing on this one thing to prove our own point Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that that i think just added insult to injury and um of course i think just further you know created some division and just yeah more cringe more 
turfdom, especially around that, that again, the like, this is a unique experience, the messaging of women and like there, there's a truth, right? Even in the mm-hmm. hormone comments, there's a truth. This is science. This is scientifically based. You can't argue with it. And just shutting down the conversation more and more and doubling down in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the ignorance and trans and homophobia. So then, two months later, in September 2020, if you thought we were getting through with the timeline, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're still going. It's There's so more. long. <laughs> so September 2022, um, she sent out, I think it was, I don't think it was the full book. I think it was mm-hmm. like uh, highlights from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was called Troubled Blood. And she got more blowback because it turns out the plot of this book is that a cis male serial killer who dresses as a woman in Ugh. order to hunt and murder cis women. So bad. Which in and of itself is a turf dog whistle. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk more about turf dog whistles and what they look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, if I remember correctly, this was the part where people started really getting concerned that J.K. Rowling was not just misinformed, mm-hmm. but that she was doing this on purpose. Right. And that she actually is a turf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can... Um, it's like this mix of at first saying, oh, well, you know, um, I believe what I believe. I have the right to that. But then also, okay, I'm ignorant to some things, right? Uh, or it seemed that way, at least to other people. And yeah, here, that's that's very specific. Mm-hmm. You, you could write about anything. Mm-hmm. And you wrote about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also, um, earlier, when, this, when she first started tweeting about this, part of the second rant that she was talking about was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm aware of trans issues because I'm doing research for a book. Uh-huh. And then it turns out... What the book was. The mm-hmm. book is this, which is not about a trans person, mm-hmm. but about a male serial killer dressing as a woman, hearkening back to the days of the 80s when being trans was just being a cross-dresser. Right. Yes. So, we continue. <laughs> In January of 2021, so... To, to give grounding context, this started in June 2020 mm-hmm. and has now proceeded all the way to January 2021. Not even a full year later, so much has happened. So much. Yeah. Where there were rumors, and I want to heavily emphasize rumors, mm-hmm. <laughs> that there might, HBO Max, or I think at the time it was just HBO, yeah. might make a TV show based off of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. To which um, started the calls to boycott Mm. because people basically started thinking like, we need to stop giving her money. We need to stop um, supporting her and da da da. To which she writes a tweet in response where she says, um, all the money that I get from royalties goes towards supporting um, charities that I am interested in. Mm And then someone, I think, find, like goes through her like tax filings or whatever and releases a list of some of the charities that she's involved in. And some of them are charities that in the UK support anti-trans legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, one was a group that their sole purpose was to, quote unquote, keep men out of women's restrooms. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to the sentiment of that book of like... Um trans people are dangerous mm-hmm. right that yeah it's harmful and and she does it in different ways right mm-hmm. yeah what organizations is she supporting I, I remember thinking that question when she was talking about how many charities she's given to and just very vague like 
no details, but just vague, like, causes, you know? Mm-hmm. I help mm-hmm. poor people. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what okay, is this that's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's very specific, but also vague at the same time. Uh, so it looks like, um, also linked to the HBO Max, or HBO at the time, um, debacle, there was a 20th anniversary special that she denies she wasn't invited to, but chose not to attend because she just didn't appear. So mm-hmm. folks were wondering about that. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of seeing like some of the consequences she may, again, we'll never know, may or may not have been having at that time because we're now going on like a year of just constant um, comments and just her digging herself into a hole and people becoming mad in new and exciting mm-hmm. ways about how um, she was spreading this turf rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And this is also fascinating, too, because when she did an interview about why she wasn't there, mm-hmm. um, her response was, this was the 20th anniversaries of the movies. Uh-huh. And I didn't have much of a role in what happened in the movies or what appeared in the movies. And I find this interesting, because I talk about this again a little, in a little bit later, um, Tom Felton, who mm-hmm. was the actor who played Draco Malfoy, also said this that hmm. she actually didn't have as much interaction with the movies as people think that she did. Right. Yeah, and it sounds like over time, and it would make sense from the books to now with the game, there's just been less interaction generally. Mm-hmm. Also interesting, though, to say that when they're based off your books. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just some more of a curiosity on my part of... Uh, maybe it's convenient to say that because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of controversy and maybe you're getting tired of it. Because in some of her responses over time, you just see the frustration mm-hmm. and her basically being mad. She has to feel like she's quote unquote defending herself. So, yeah. I and But I also think about it in the context of um, as someone that loved the books and I watched mm-hmm. the movies, mm-hmm. how different they were. Yeah. And I remember true. as a kid being confused. Mm. Why were they so different? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't J.K. Rowling insist that the movies be, mirror the books? They be more. more connected. Yeah. And to me, this actually makes sense mm-hmm. that she didn't have mm. as much interaction with this. And in fact, she sold the rights to the movies in 1993. Hmm. I mean, not 1993, sorry, 1999. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to that earlier conversation of like how rights and things work, she didn't have the rights to it. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers did. Mm-hmm. So anything that actually happened in the movies is actually probably Warner Brothers' fault. <laughs> not not directly to do with J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Even though she had the um, source material. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be particularly interesting when we go yes. into our discussion about um, the goblins. Mm-hmm. But um, so then she released a second new book called The Ink Black Heart, which was published under her pen name, Robert Galbraith. Which also people find very funny that she publishes under a male yeah. pen name. Yes. And she's so anti-trans. It's, mm-hmm. it's very... Very interesting. Uh, so in this book, which is over a thousand pages, a YouTube-based cartoonist's work is accused of being racist, transphobic, and ableist. Mm. She's then doxxed, threatened with rape, and death and is ultimately stabbed to death in a cemetery and for those that don't know what docs to mean it's when your uh, personal information is released on the internet so people can then go find you and harass you right. does that does that um plot sound familiar friend mm. does, does that sound familiar to, to, to you oh my goodness she's just a lot she's just so much i can't 
she she's extra she really is um we also have to round out our timeline i was interested in quotes from uh, folks in the lgbtqia plus community and outside the community uh related to her and uh, harry potter her work and i found an interesting one um from twitter from at Malaroy Rubin, M-A-L-L-O-R-Y-R-U-B-I-N. Harry Potter is about the magic of love, acceptance, belonging, the power of courage, the impact of hope. Trying to take those things away from people is a terrible tragedy. Trans women are women. So I feel like this, this comment stood out to me because it is about the spirit of Harry Potter and why so many people love it. And then also personally this, um, person's take on it and um you know standing with the trans community and I feel like there are so many opinions uh, and everything in between like compared to this comment right there are people that are like you know who who even is JK Rowling whatever I love Harry Potter Mm -hmm. to I will never ever buy anything related to Harry Potter because I feel like that is you know not going to be supporting the community or this is my way of sort of, um, you know, sticking a middle finger up to her. Mm-hmm. And, but there's a whole range. And so we're going to get into that and sort of like different takes on that and how that impacts this conversation. Mm-hmm. But this is just one that stood out to me. And I'm curious before we move on to our, to our next section, going through that timeline, mm-hmm. n- noting all of just, well, one that is actually pretty short. Mm-hmm. takes about a year for yeah. her to go full TERF. Yep. Um, and for those that don't know what TERF means, we're going to go into that in a second, but just uh, TERF stands for Trans-Exclusionary Radical Feminist. We'll explain what that means in a bit. Um, but what what are your reactions to just that part of it? Just this, this weird timeline that happens. I feel like as that was happening in real time, I just remember... Um, I'm surprised it was only a year because I feel like it dragged on forever. And I was very shocked that she kept saying nonsense, like more and more, um, and just seemed to be doubling down. Like when she'll, she would tweet and then like subtweet on that tweet and just, it just went down the rabbit hole. And people in my life generally at the time were, um, upset about it. And, you know, there was like a range of reactions and I kind of felt like well, she sucks, but also, like, I don't know if I should consume any of this anymore. You know, that was the question I was, like, left with. And, yeah, I just, in general, I feel like this is dragged on for years, but probably just because we keep talking about it and going mm-hmm. back to that year. But, yeah, it, a lot happened in the year. Mm-hmm. And it was also, uh, you know, not a good time in terms of the pandemic and everything else going on. This is true. We were also in a weird lull mm-hmm. of things happening i think people have gotten tired of talking about the pandemic mm-hmm. and we needed other things to yeah. talk about yeah so this happened um i will say i was not surprised mm-hmm. about this um one because i remember the whole dumbledore is gay mm. debacle that happened when the final book came out it is randomly dropped out of nowhere out of thin air that Dumbledore is gay. And we were all like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what does this have to do with... It? Why would you do this? Right. This completely sexless character mm-hmm. who his entire function 
up until this point has been mm. just to push Harry's um, story mm. forward. And spoiler alert for those that have not watched Harry Potter or read the books or are planning to. I mean, it's it's just 20 years, folks. Let's, let's, <laughs> just, let's just let that go. Yeah. Um, he's dead mm-hmm. by the time we find this out. And you're like, JK Rowling, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, and she also has these weird off the wall um, dis- talk discussions about why there's no bathrooms in places of mm-hmm. like, oh, wizards just magic their poop away. And I'm like, yeah, so this t- didn't surprise <laughs> me because she's vaguely unhinged yeah. to begin with. Um, mm. And I already could just sense that she had a weird understanding of LGBT identities mm-hmm. to start. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was not surprised. I was disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I was disappointed. I don't think I re- honestly realized how unhinged she was. And... Um, I think maybe like other people, I didn't want to believe that, but not surprised because, you know, she's a cis white woman and I feel like, and we'll get, you know, more into this later. I feel like there is a lot of toxicity in whether someone calls themselves a feminist or not, um, or engages like in that world as a feminist. I feel like just as a cis white woman, there are things that you're exposed to and you internalize that can very easily make you problematic and unhinged and like prone to this. So Mm -hmm. yeah, disappointed for sure, Mm -hmm. but not surprised in that way. Um, Particularly if you're not willing to challenge it. Yeah. That was a disappointment for me is that she doubled down on it and made it worse Mm -hmm. and became worse in what she was putting out there. And you can see that in the content she created, what she wrote and um, the messaging she put out there. And that was, I think harmful Mm -hmm. um you could have made a better choice and you chose not to so that was that to me over time has been the disappointment Mm -hmm. just like wow you had an opportunity here and it was wasted oh hi there this is editor marquez from the future we didn't expect this episode to go this long so we're gonna hop to a break and we'll be right back and we're back so turfs. we're gonna talk about turfs <laughs> um, in our section called turf dog whistles turf ideology and include inclusive feminism um so we're gonna pull a lot of information from a tweet uh, not a tweet a reddit post that's mm-hmm. on that came from a red subreddit called fundy snark uncensored <laughs> and this is from the user newt newt <laughs> it's just fun to say. It is fun to say. Newt. <laughs> Newt like the animal, N E W T underscore N O O T. Newt. 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 <laughs> um, so, definitions turf, our trans exclusionary radical feminist, are feminists, very lightly using the word feminist there, mm-hmm. or other individuals that spout trans misogyny, transphobia against trans women, as a means to uplift cis women. Yes, and they usually try to speak on behalf of um, also all lesbians. Um, their common complaint is that trans women, quote unquote, steal or rape lesbians. Also, um, we see this um, this kind of rhetoric, turf rhetoric from cis women uh, about like the whole LGBTQI plus community as a whole. Um also communities such as LGB or like dropping the T are usually like host to TERFs. So the LGBTQIA plus acronym has evolved over time 
and the community has adjusted the arrangement of the letters and had addition to those letters in order to be more inclusive. So to intentionally do something like just list something as LGB without the T is very intentional. Um, also, they include like gender critical and other communities that really try to police trans bodies um, in commenting kind of like a, to what you were saying earlier, Marquez, kind of that distinction, quote unquote, between biological sex and gender and the, the conflation of the two and just conversations around that. Mm-hmm. So what we thought we would do to kind of also bring in some education around this are go over some, not all, if you want to see um, all the list of mm-hmm. the tran- uh, tran- turf dog whistles, um, mm-hmm. we're going to link all of our links in the show notes for yeah. today. Um, so you can check um, Newt Newt's <laughs> <laughs> um, post out. But we're going to go over some dog whistles. Mm-hmm. And for those who are unfamiliar with the term, a dog whistle basically is something that doesn't directly sound like it's Mm -hmm. associated with an ideology but harkens yeah towards an ideology um so one that i've run into a lot um in relation to this is the not using lesbian Mm -hmm. and insisting on female homosexual um and this on its face you're like okay i mean sure you're you're leading with your with your sex there Uh for some weird reason um and you're homosexual that's fine but it's it's connected with how turfs communicate that they believe that lesbians can only be cisgender women Mm -hmm. attracted to other cisgender women um because there's a strong connection that if you do not possess a vagina Mm -hmm. you cannot be a woman Mm mm-hmm if you don't have a vagina, if you don't have a uterus, mm-hmm. that's all. That's also a really big one. If you don't have a uterus, yep. you cannot be a woman. If you don't menstruate, you cannot be a woman. Um, so there's a lot of limits mm-hmm. on who can be a woman. And everything else is a man. I don't know if you can hear the eye roll, but there's so many eye rolls and shaking of my head right now. It's so uh, gross. I just hate it. And it just... Um, I think also like we're going to bring this into the conversation, but I'm thinking right now with this, this specific item that we're diving into that it's not only anti-trans, it's just, it doesn't honor anyone that's non-binary. Like this is just, again, binary bullshit and it's so exclusionary and it's so othering. And there are also people that would say that they're like a cis woman who don't have a uterus for whatever reason or or don't want to have children and on and on and okay so they're not women like Mm -hmm. so basically just you and a couple other people Mm -hmm. qualify as quote-unquote a woman Mm -hmm. it eliminates anyone that has any sort of Mm -mm. medical concern or disability or just any just natural deviation in how humans present right um yeah so it's inherently ableist too it is i think that that's something that people don't talk about enough that that just does not allow for like humans to exist organically how they exist Mm -hmm. it puts again the default spotlight on a very specific definition of what it is to be a woman Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very harmful but lots there's lots of terms on here any others sticking out to you um, I think one that also can get, um, it can be confusing mm-hmm. for, for people, um, lib fems, uh-huh. uh, is a dog whistle because mm-hmm. it's mocks feminists who support 
trans people. Right. Um, also just ideas. And you'll actually hear this a lot in the news recently. Um, trans cult, gender cult, and transgenderism. Hmm. This has become a very common talking point around conservative politicians at the moment that um, we are weirdly obsessed with children's gender and that we're Mm -hmm. trying to indoctrinate children at a young age into being um, something that they aren't. Yeah. When it's really a malicious flip Mm -hmm. around the inclusiveness of the uh, LGBTI QI plus community of we want people to feel safe in being however they want to be. Mm-hmm. And but the the turf slash conservative twist on it is that the fact that we're okay talking about it and that we're okay introducing these terms so that people can examine them and see if they fit for them automatically in the states that we're trying to groom mm-hmm. them. So it's all connected into this yeah. kind of gross um anti just lgbt stance Mm -hmm. and what drives me crazy about turfs is that i run into so many people that are in the lgbt community who are turfs yeah tell me more about that because um i'm wondering like how that comes into your space is this online in person like how have you experienced that um it it comes for me being someone that is a a member Mm -hmm. of the trans community um Mm -hmm. a kind of a different version of it as a non-binary person i just don't believe gender is a thing Mm -hmm. but that still kind of fits underneath the trans umbrella i'm not i'm not cis yeah so therefore i'm some somewhere on the trans uh, side of it Mm -hmm. but I, i run into this a lot in spaces where let's say I might not, I might be dressed more femme mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. And I don't feel comfortable going to the men's restroom mm-hmm. because sometimes that can be kind of weird yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Um, and in some ways it's also to, to not um, make other male identified people feel uncomfortable because mm-hmm. sometimes that can also be weird. If Like I wasn't expecting to see that in this space. But then the the idea is like, well, if I enter this other space and another dog whistle you'll hear are women only space, Mm -hmm. which is meant to identify as, um, as they say, natal women um, only, you can see it in Mm -hmm. that there's a hesitation to enter those spaces of exactly how am I going to be received? How are people going to respond to that um, types of things? And it also arises in dating a lot mm-hmm. of um trans people have an extremely hard time finding partners mm-hmm. due to this over focus on genitalia yeah on i'm attracted to men but that mean what i'm but what i'm actually saying is i'm attracted to penises mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you don't have a penis i don't want to deal with you yeah or in the opposite direction of mm-hmm. i'm attracted to vaginas and just because, like, sure, be a woman. I, I see you as a woman. I, under, I understand you're a woman, but you don't have a vagina, so I don't want to deal with you. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being transphobic in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's really tough. And I feel like um, it comes up in so many different ways. And I think it depends on, yeah, like the life you've lived, where you live, who you're in, interacting with, and then our unique identities. So like for me, speaking of as a cis woman, um, I feel like what's come up most for me is in the workplace and in my personal life, the conversations around biological sex and gender identity. And I feel like 
people are starting to come around to that, but I really think it's lost on people that that is a turf dog whistle at all. Mm-hmm. When they keep saying this person was born biologically male or mm-hmm. female mm-hmm. and are transitioning to this thing, right? Just this person's a woman, right? Or this person is male. However they identify, just say that. Um, because to this point on the resource list we have, I love how they said it, like trans people know the difference between you know, biological sex and gender. That's not lost on anybody. We all know these things. So just use their, use their pronouns, use what they identify as like period, because people do that to you. Like if someone just randomly to assist person, you know, use the wrong pronoun or like literally just like said, Oh, you know, you as a male and someone you're talking to someone that identifies as female, be like, wait, what? It's like, Oh, what's the problem? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, sorry. My bad. Well, Okay, so it's okay for you to do, but not other people to do. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I just have so many thoughts on that because I feel like that even comes from like the most quote unquote woke people. Oh yeah, and and they are just really unaware of it. And I feel like I've even heard you and like other people like correcting and try to sort of gently say like, "Hey, <laughs> why do we keep talking about biological sex and like misusing that?" Even like mm-hmm. we don't even have to say that. Mm-hmm. So that, and then also the women-only spaces, in particular at Burning Man, there's like a Camp Beaverton for wayward girls, and it's only cis women or post-op, quote-unquote, trans women that are allowed Mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. I always found that really gross, Mm -hmm. and just any space that people say, oh, like, it's, you know, to make women feel safe, like, we have to have, you know, women-only. And then, again, depending on if it's, you know outside of Burning Man I'm not trying to like target Burning Man here but a lot of spaces have those stipulations of what um, they define as woman only space and I and I love that that example because particularly the part of like oh we're trying to be inclusive by saying if you've had surgery you Mm -hmm. can come Mm -hmm. which completely ignores intersectionality yep which is another part of this of that um, turf ideology fails to recognize that women are not homogenous and that women, in oh. fact, face many different kinds of inter- intersecting oppressions. Mm-hmm. So black womanhood, yeah. white womanhood are not the same thing. Straight womanhood, mm-hmm. queer womanhood mm-hmm. are not the same thing. And I think most people understand that yeah. concept. Yeah. But then they fail to connect with trans womanhood and mm-hmm. cis womanhood are not the same thing. Yeah. And there seems to be this insinuation, and I think this is kind of what J.K. Rowling is, is, is trying to really push that trans women assert that their womanhood is exactly identical to her jk rowling's womanhood or cis women's womanhood when i've never heard a trans woman say that no i have ever no no and even though um let's just go there with like women can relate to each other okay like i'm sure a lot of women feel like they can relate to other women and some of the experiences they've had and Within, let's look at like the trans community. And, you know, I'm not speaking as a cis woman for the trans community, but trans folks that I've spoken to, I know that like their experience in transitioning is going to be different depending on who they are. Some folks, it involves uh, one type of thing. Maybe it's more social versus medical. Uh, maybe it involves healthcare or not. Everyone's different. So going back to the comment I made about like those women safe spaces. Yeah, it, it's to your point, like failing to recognize that womanhood means a million different things. And so those spaces are oppressive because they're defining what that should be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't allow women to exist or people to exist as they are. It does not. And and it it's, it's just an inherent failure mm-hmm. of 
understanding intersectional identities are so mm-hmm. vital to how we understand anything that's going on. Right. Um, and intersectionality, as termed by Kimberly, Kimberly Crenshaw, mm-hmm. just noting that just because your experience is not identical to someone mm-hmm. else's does not mean it's it's irrelevant, that it, it doesn't exist, that it's not real. Um, and that seems to be mm. a, a large part of the trans, uh, the, tra- the turf ideology of because I cannot access your version of womanhood, mm-hmm. it is it is invalid. Right. Um, so mm. the question then comes up, how do we fight this? Hmm. I think part of it is having conversations like this, you know, because I think we need to explore for ourselves and dive into like what where we stand on things to be honest so we can have these conversations with other people and i think um well obviously this podcast is founded on the belief that our opinion is inherently correct everyone has opinions that's not going to change and i feel like where we get tripped up and we'll dive more into this later too is when we get very on either end of the extreme my opinion is correct and the way i feel about this is like the only way to feel about it and is right and there is everything else is wrong i think then we lose our humanity and our ability to have conversations Mm -hmm. so i think that's one way but then also you know i'm not gonna run into jk rowling down the street and have a conversation with her about this and have a debate Um, i'm not gonna have any influence on her as a person and i feel like we are just giving her too much power in general, we did for a year and more. And, you know, even talking about her now is not to give her that power. It's to springboard a bigger conversation as to how there are other TERFs and TERF-like principles and other issues that we face every day in society, whether it's a comment someone makes in the workplace or something um, someone we know says, like how to have a conversation about that and say, hey, Um, you know, you might've not had this intent in what you said, but there was an impact and this is how it made me feel, or this might be how other people receive that. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to be, um, brave as long as it's safe for us to do so, to challenge ourselves and then other people. So that's the, the way that I think we can fight it day to day. And to me, that is the spirit of feminism. If we're tying it back to that is like inherently going against the patriarchy, being anti-oppressive and pro-social justice that doesn't involve anything to do with turf ideology like that's in opposition to it entirely that's not being a radical feminist at all i 100 percent agree and it connects to my original premise of the flaw with the deplatforming canceling approach mm-hmm. and that it can produce what's um kind of termed as paradoxical attention mm-hmm. of the more you attempt to call out something and suppress something the more you're feeding into our social media algorithms, which says, oh, people are interacting with this. So you just see more Mm. and more and more and more. And then more people start noticing like, oh, JK Rowling doesn't think trans women are women. Interesting. Let me, let me think about that. And then we start producing Mm. more stuff around it when really the entire, the original thought around deplatforming was Mm -hmm. just, we're not going to interact with you. Yeah. We're just not going to interact with you anymore. And I, I like um, our resource we have from Cambridge University in UK, um, which uh, says turf ideology um, cannot, can but not very often be defeated in a fair debate. 
but committed turfs don't fight fair. Mm-hmm. Very often, especially online, the best thing to do is disengage. Yeah. Explain to your aunt why trans women should be allowed to use women's bathrooms. Right. But don't debate super rad femme XX <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter or JK Rowling about yeah. the colonial nature of the sex binary. Save that energy and put it towards building stronger, positive, trans inclusive mm-hmm. feminist and activist spaces. Devote that energy towards your spaces, your areas, um, places that you can touch. And like Mary was saying, you hear trans exclusionary rhetoric all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Become familiar with it and say something about it when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like protecting our power, um, our energy, and not giving power to people that uh, exhaust us is productive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's hard enough day to day to highlight that um, intent versus impact conversation of like, yeah, that that had a, that felt bad when you said that. That was really difficult yeah so yeah we're gonna go ahead and shift into um a break and we'll be back with part two shortly see you then no nothing scary just me editor marquez we lost the ending of this episode originally where we were telling you there would be a part two of this episode um so spoiler alert there will be a part two of this episode coming out later hope you like part episodes if you do or if you don't feel free to choose an email at fixmyopinion at gmail.com and we will look forward to seeing you in our next episode abianto